As you know that uh, regular listeners to me, I'm 100% uh, in support of renewable energy. So I'll do a little story here that has everything to do with organic matters because it's going to affect us all. This is out of El Campo, Texas, so it's kind of interesting. Over five years as an oil and gas contractor, uh, the fellow's name is Kamal Romatar. He was laid off at least 10 times, always returning to his job as a safety technician when he was hired onto a new project. Not this time. Romatar, who was laid off again after oil prices crashed in the spring of 2020, is pursuing a new career in energy as a solar panel installer, a career he hopes will provide more stability as renewables expand with national and global efforts to slow climate change. The Labor Department projects that wind turbine technicians will have the fastest rate of growth of all occupations between 2019 and 2029, adding jobs at a rate of about 61% pace. Jobs for solar panel installers are expected to grow by over 50% compared to 30% for Derrick operators, the fastest growing oil and gas occupation still around. I do want to add in here, of course, that we're not just going out of the oil and gas business overnight, folks. It's going to be around for the foreseeable future. But I think the old way of life in the fossil fuel business is not going to be the same. Mr. Romatar was one of 10 trainees learning to install solar panels at the 18,000-acre job site in El Campo. That's about 73 miles south of uh, downtown Houston, and it's part of a Texas Workforce Commission-funded partnership between the Lone Star College and WorkRise, which is a workforce development uh, company, to train workers to install solar power arrays. The Workforce Commission awarded the group about $180,000 to retain 100 workers. And another up-and-coming job are wind turbine service technicians, which earn already a median salary of about $56,300 a year, while the solar installers that Romola has learned gets over $46,000, according to the Labor Department. Whereas a Derrick operator still in the fossil fuel business makes a median salary just about the same as a technician putting up turbines. While the need for Derrick worker operators in the fossil business is constantly going slowly down, demand for entry-level workers to build out renewable energy products is beginning to really reach a what we call a fevered pitch here in Texas, where more wind and solar capacity is expected to be added to the grid in the coming months and years, probably more so than any other single state in the nation, said Kim Medlock, director of the Center for Energy Studies at Rice University's Baker Institute. Aircott estimates the amount of solar capacity alone could more than double by May of 2022. Folks, that's not very far away. That's a year from now. Growing to more than 17,000 megawatts and about 7,000 megawatts alone just in April. One megawatt is enough to power about 200 Texas homes on a really hot summer day. Enel Green Power Company, one of the world's largest renewable energy producers based in Italy, said that this month it will build its largest solar farm in North America anywhere. Guess where? Just outside of Waco, Texas. Renewable energy workers are noticing, said Leslie Allen, WorkRise Manager's Director for Energy Verticals, since launching solar and wind energy programs just back in 2019, the company went from training about 400 workers to over 2,000 
250 last year in 2020. In Texas, we've seen the hockey stick of solar growth take off over the past couple of years, Elliot said. One reason is because of the public and state support. But even more than that, if you look at the cost of energy now and look at the solar energy cost, it's one of the most affordable ways to bring generation online for the general home owner. And another aside, another fact I found out that is the International Energy Agency projects onshore wind will have, on average, the lowest cost of electricity generation by 2025 of any large-scale generation power ability. And that large-scale solar will become very cost-competitive at the same time. Right now, the whole industry is really on fire, folks. The only problem that I see coming down the road is right now we have a very renewable, energy-friendly president in Joe Biden. We don't know who's going to come up in four or eight years. It would be a pity to get this thing going and really rolling, only to be cut back again by an administration that is, is not as amenable to growing, learning, and producing renewable energy. Fortunately, many of the skills solar trainees are learning through the state-funded program right now, such as electrical wiring, are transferable to other industries, such as manufacturing, construction, and if necessary, and you still want to go back, even the oil and gas projects. In general, I guess what I need to say is this world, well, this world's always in transition, but it's a bigger transitioning than we've gone accustomed to. Uh, In the next 10 years, I'm going to guess there may not be internal combustion engines put in any of our automobiles. There'll still be some engines around. There has to be at least till we can work our way through it. But that's not going to be the job of the future to work on anymore. It's going to be renewable energy. It's going to be solar power. It's going to be wind power. One that we haven't even talked about yet that I guarantee is only, only right around the edge is what we call basically hydrothermic. We are not even beginning to touch. There are a few parts of the world that they go down and drill into our earth and take all that heat and all that energy and convert it to usable energy. But that's that's just around the corner also. This is all, folks, renewable energy from Mother Nature that does not degrade this, what is becoming very fast, the tiny little world we all live on. Let me put this in here because I think it's, well, it's exciting to me. This is Wednesday, about three o'clock in the afternoon, right before you will get this show either depending on where you get my show, Saturday, this coming weekend or the first of next week. Again, I don't know which uh, my shows you actually catch. Of course, my main station is KVLF and Alpine, so you will get it definitely Saturday morning, 9 to 10 o'clock. But what I'm waiting on is I'm going to hold this part of the show, add to it, it's going to sound weird, but it's not, five hours and 40 minutes from now is going to be the introduction officially of the Ford 150 Lightning. It is an all-electric truck all the time with capabilities that you've never been able to buy a pickup to do until now. So we're going to hold this piece of this piece of the show and we're going to put at least the next five or six minutes 
uh, right here. As soon as I catch that information and I'm able to absorb it, I'll add it to this. So whatever day you listen to me, you're already going to at least heard about the Ford 150 electric. Uh, well, it's electric, but it's called the Lightning, unless you just haven't listened at all. But I will give you a fill in on its capabilities, some of the things it's going to do that right now no other vehicle does. And I, in case you don't know, folks, that particular truck is the best-selling individual vehicle for years now in the whole United States. The show starts, I have uh, kind of caught up on the Ford Lightning. All things being equal, you should still have at least a chance at some tomatoes, but you want to start looking for problems. It's, you know, coming June here, May and June. Blossom Enrod appears as a little sunken brown spot right on the bottom of the tomato. It's usually caused by an irregular watering, which I can talk about, and in most areas, a lack of available calcium, which you should have taken care of earlier. If not, this would be the time to apply some bone meal. I always put about this time of year just some Epsom salts out around the plant and when you're watering and water them in, and that should sort of take care of that problem. In general, in your garden, or if you happen to have a lawn, I always question growing lawns in this part of the country this time of year, but some people love them. Water your lawns and gardens thoroughly, but not too frequently. I try to tell people to soak the ground to about six inches, which sounds like a lot, but if if you'll thoroughly water till you've put one inch of water out, and that's easy to do, get some little... Anything that's got a a straight-sided can or anything that can measure the water that's straight up. And you watch it the first few times till you see you've got one inch or so of water in those containers as you sit them around. uh, Tuna cans or idea, that kind of thing. Then you can get an idea how long your particular watering system takes to give you one inch of water. So it's better to water less frequently, but very deeply when you do in this part of the country, especially this time of year. And just as a reminder, though, I'm sure most of you know it, early morning is really the best time to water. And if that's not possible, then late evening is your second choice. It might cause a few problems, but not so much out here. We're dry enough that it uh, won't create much of a problem. And the other real secret, if there is such a thing as a secret, to, to really keeping your plants happy this time of year is mulch. It conserves moisture in and around the soil, of course, and don't be stingy. Three to six inches of mulch, not right up against if it's the, don't go right up to the stem. Just go out around basically from a few inches, an inch or two away from the stem to, in most plants, out to what we call the drip line is more than adequate and it can really, really even out the amount of moisture in your soil. It does several things. It keeps the soil warmer at night if we happen to have the cold you know, sometimes what I call desert cool evenings. And it keeps the soil much cooler in the daytime because it keeps the sun directly off of it and it insulates the roots of your plant. So mulching is very important. Don't much care what you use to mulch with. It should be an organic material, preferably a little bit broken down. The best thing, of course, is to create your own compost pile. 
Very simple to do. You don't even have to turn it if you're not in a hurry. If you want compost, you turn it on a regular basis and it'll be ready for you for your fall garden. But if not, you can just leave it called static pile and let it sit there. And when it gets so big, just go on to another spot and then give it its chance. And when you see you can turn it over and the materials you use to make it are no longer identifiable, you've probably got a good uh, completed compost for your what season whatever season it is that that uh, you're putting in so compost can be made and put out all year round if you just watch your compost piles so that's sort of little gardening tips this time of year it's a little different but uh, we've got a few months of hot weather left yet so hang in there